Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We find a doctor like that and we say he's a fraud. Who would ever go back to that office once that was known? Nobody. Nobody in their right mind. When I look at that, these people's physical lives were impacted. When you look at the false gospel, people's eternity are, are impacted. There are going to be people that don't make it to heaven because they believe wrong. Right? These Jehovah's Witnesses, we look at them and say they at least seem sincere. They really do believe this thing. But God's not, there's no points for sincerity. they sincerely wrong about what they believe and what they're preaching and what they're sharing. Have you ever been to a church and heard a sermon that just didn't sit right with you? As Pastor Bill continues his teaching series through the book of 2 Corinthians, he'll be encouraging you to be a student of the Bible so that you can have discernment. Sadly, there are many cults out there that act as though they are genuinely Christians, but in reality, they fleece the flock. The more scripture you study, the easier it will be for you to know when someone is teaching something false. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 as he continues his message dealing with false teachers. Jesus is God. He left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect, holy, sinless life to become the Lamb of God. He died on the cross in my place and in your place. He took our sins upon himself, the Bible says. He bore our shame, bore our grief upon himself. He died. That's the penalty of sins paid for. Then he rose from the grave and in doing so had a victory over Satan, over sin, over death for you and for me, for our benefit. To say that that's Jesus, you're, that's almost enough. Like you almost got me saved right there. Now I got to add one thing to what you did. I'm going to also go get baptized. Then that's going to seal the deal. That's, that's adding a work to salvation. Now do believers, should believers get baptized? Yes. I don't get baptized in order to be saved. I get baptized because I am saved and I'm identifying with Christ and baptism, which we're going to be having one uh, in the next month, uh, next month. So if you've never been water baptized, uh, we'll, we'll let you know when you can sign up. Uh, but anyway, we don't we don't get baptized in order to be saved. I believe what Jesus did to be saved. But as a, as a follower, as a believer, I will follow Christ in water baptism. I will identify with him in the way that he called me to. If they bring the gospel other than that, let them be damned to hell. That gospel will lead you to hell as it's leading them to hell. Let them be damned to hell. Let them be accursed. What he says. And so we want to be cautious. We want to be careful. You know, as you visit churches or you got friends in different places, you want to look up. I go, I go on websites. And I'm like, what's your statement of faith? You know, I need to know because there's a lot of people named Christians. They, they're not believing the same thing. But, that, you know, he, Paul will say in a little while that, you know, one of the things that Satan does very well is uh, he counterfeits, masquerades. He's a great counterfeiter. And so because of that, we got to be aware. We live in an era um, I look at this. I always was puzzled by this. How many guys recognize that in some of the worst areas of a city, it'll be where the most churches are? Everybody, everybody ever wonder about that? You go to the worst hoods, the worst part of town, where the most drugs, the most prostitutes, the most everything, and you're like, it is three churches a block. How are they? What's what's wrong? Like it would seem like where there were the most churches. There'd be the, you know, liquor store. That liquor store didn't, that business didn't make it over here, man. Ain't nobody buying a liquor over here, man. They, they couldn't give away a blunt wrapper over here. You know, you, you'd think where, where all the churches were, it would be, um, it would be a sanctified area. But in those areas, and you know why? Because most of those are false churches. Many of those are not churches that are preaching the gospel. Many of those are set up for profit. Many of those churches are set up to tell people that you can, you can, you can, you know, come to God and you can get some stuff and some things and, 
and all these all these different sorts of things. And so there's not there's not a sanctified life. There's not lives that are surrendered over to the Lord. They're not people that are that are just broken and humble that God would love them and save them and forgive them. And, and in turn, they want to live holy and, and sacrificial for him. Uh, but they do in church. They do in church. They got choirs and music and everything else. But where is the Lord at? Where's where's the sanctified living? Where are the where are the disciples? Where are the people that are that have been impacted by the power of God? Where is that at? Where all these churches abound. And so it's always a curious thing to me. And so I was reading this thing on CNN and uh, there was a doctor who was basically he went to jail for giving bad medical advice. Uh, There's a doctor in Michigan named Farad Fata. And he pled guilty for Medicare fraud and money laundering. What he was doing in his medical practice was prescribing cancer medication and cancer treatments to people that didn't need them. And some of the people didn't even have cancer. So, you know, uh, a series of chemotherapy or radiation for someone that didn't even have cancer because it's lucrative for them as a business. And so he ended up getting 45 years for that. Um, But you look at all the lives that he may have ruined along the way. He got 45 years. Now, we find a doctor like that and we say he's a fraud. Who would ever go back to that office once that was known? Nobody. Nobody in their right mind. When I look at that, these people's physical lives were impacted. When you look at the false gospel, people's eternity are are impacted. There are going to be people that don't make it to heaven because they believe wrong. Right? These Jehovah's Witnesses, we look at them and say they at least seem sincere. They really do believe this thing. But God's not, there's no points for sincerity. They sincerely wrong about what they believe and what they're preaching and what they're sharing. And so this week, if you guys are doing the Bible reading on Thursday, we were in Deuteronomy 13. Now, this may have seemed harsh. This Old Testament. So, you know, brace yourself. But back then, you know, Moses was teaching the people there. He said, look, if somebody comes and they tell you to go worship idols, right? Someone comes and they call themselves a prophet, tell you to worship idol. If they tell you to worship something other than the living God, anybody know what, what, what did Moses tell them to do to them? Stone. Then he said this. He said, now one of your friends comes over and says, hey, come with me to go worship over here. He says, put them on blast, bring them from the whole community, and you throw the first stone. Now, we don't live in that era. We don't stone. Don't, don't go stone. No, don't go throw rocks at no, no false bishop. You lie to me. <laughs> you know? We're not doing that. But I want you to understand this. We know that, the, we know that we're under a different covenant, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God would say back then, kill him and put away the sin from Israel. Put this sin away from you guys. In our culture, we're not going to kill him, but we need to put that away from us. We need to identify that, hey, that, that guy's a false teacher. I know he's popular. I know people, he's on TV, but he's false. And it's not it's not a bad thing to identify those things. And so um, so that people could be aware. Some people are very gullible. Some people don't come out to church. They sit down at home and watch TV. I, I'm, I'm going to say that most of what y'all see on TV, on Christian TV, sadly, most of it is not it's not sound. You know, I wish it were. There are some, but a lot of it. I sit there and watch it and I'll be watching it. And I'm like, man, I, I, these, some of these guys have mastered the art of twisting the scriptures. And you'll never find those guys go through a book of the Bible because it's impossible. You can't you can't twist the scriptures well that way. But if I took a, a verse from Corinthians and a verse from this book and another verse from over here and I tie it all together, I can make the Bible say whatever I want. I can tell you guys that, you know, you need to, you know, grow ponytails and, you know, say some weird frame. I mean, you, you can piece it together and make it say almost whatever you want. But when you take it in context, it's hard to do that. And so we just we want to be cautious, want to be careful. Why? Because I want to I want to really I want to know the Lord for one in sincerity and truth, but I want to worship him the way he wants. I want God to be pleased. And 
as those that are saved and believing, we're also sharing, right? If I'm deceived, my kids are going to be deceived. So my deception is going to pass down to my kids. I'm teaching them. I'm training them. Um, but if I'm in the truth, I have the potential to pass that truth on down to my kids as well, you know? And we want to be diligent in our study and our, you know, our looking. Um, again, and there's a few different deceptions. There's, a, there's, a, there's some people that are deceived emotionally, but there's a whole nother group of people that are deceived. Um, and it's very, um, it's very, uh, it's, it's very intellectual. And one of the knocks against Paul, I guess Paul wasn't a very eloquent speaker. He wasn't a great speaker. And so it was one of the things that they, they knocked him for. And maybe these guys that were teaching false doctrine were very, they were much better presenters um, than Paul was. And so uh, let's move on now. He says in verse uh, five, for, for I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am untrained in speech. And so Paul has to acknowledge that even though I'm not the best speaker, I'm untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. For we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel to you free of charge? So another reason that they were kind of coming against Paul, the false teachers come in and they all about the money. That hasn't changed. Peter said one of the ways that you identify false teachers is that they make merchandise of the people. And so if you go into a church and you start feeling like merchandise, probably a false teacher. You start feeling like, I am worth what I give here. Then there's probably false. They make merchandise of the people. The people become dollar signs. The people become money, not sheep, not God's kids that to be fed and loved and nurtured and built up. They become opportunities to get something from you. And so um, Paul says here, you know, uh, when I came to you guys, um, I pre he preached the gospel to them free of charge, not because he had to, because he knew that they were weak. And he didn't want them. He didn't want them to have nothing to say about him. So one of the knocks that they said, you know, that it was almost like the false teachers. They they felt like that they were more. They were getting more from them because they had to pay for it. And Paul says, "Now nah, I I came free of charge. I didn't charge you guys." Then he said this in verse eight: "I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you." Paul said, "Other churches, Macedonia in particular, they." They took care of my needs financially while I ministered to you guys. I didn't want to take nothing from you guys. Paul knew that I don't want to take nothing from this group. They, they, they'll, they're not mature. And, and I don't want them to think I'm here for the money. And so he said, I didn't take anything from you guys. Another church supported my ministry to you guys. And even in that, instead of, instead of recognizing what a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a godly move that was, they looked at it and said, well, Paul, we must be getting what we pay for. And so them guys are charging. I think they're, they're you know, that's more, that seems more legit than you. Why are you doing it for free? And so, um, you know, what should have been something that should cause them to look up to Paul, cause them to look down upon him. Verse nine. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. But what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. So Paul said, even when I was among you and I had lack, I didn't ask you guys for anything. I, didn't, I never took from you guys. I came here to give to you guys the truth. Verse 10, as the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you. He says, God knows. I absolutely, Paul definitely loves them. But what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cu that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in all things. And so Paul says, uh, the reason I'm preaching this to you guys, I want to make sure that 
these false apostles that are coming in. They want to be regarded just like we are as apostles of Christ, but they're not. I want to expose them. I want to make sure that you know the difference. Verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder for Satan himself transformed himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. And so the last thing here, verses 13 through 15, Paul acknowledges, look, these people are false apostles. Um, And I want to explain what an apostle is. An apostle literally means sent out one. And so the apostles in the Bible, they were sent out. Who sent them out? Jesus sent them out. They were sent out by Jesus. They got the word directly from Jesus and they were sent out ones. And so it's still a curious thing to me when a dude is calling himself an apostle. He's been on the same block for 40 years. He ain't been, where you go? You, uh, you know, Paul, if you look at Paul's ministry, he, he was sent out. He was over here. He was in Corinth, Galatia, Philippi. You know, he was a sent out one going with the message of the gospel with the authority of Christ. The regions where they didn't, didn't know the gospel. Um, anyway, I just, that's, that's, that's extra. So, um, but he says, you guys, these guys are false apostles. Then he says, deceitful workers. Because they're doing a work, but it's a deceitful work. And here, here goes the, to me, these are the main doctrines I see in our communities that are deceitful and they prevail and people are deceived and broken down. One of the main ones I see is the, the, the word of faith doctrine. Um, it, it prevails. It prevails for a reason. Everybody here, I would, I would, I would venture to say, uh, I'll just ask my show. How many guys would love to have more money than you have right now? That's that's just a reality, right? That's that's a it's almost a given, right? I, that's not unspiritual. Um, you put your hand down, Bill. <laughs> Bill's like, I would like to have more money. <laughs> you know, I love you, buddy. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not a bad thing that that's a reality. Now, what what how how easy would it be if I made all my preaching about? All of all of my calling you to come to the Lord was always with the you can get some more stuff. God's gonna bless you. You need to give and get some more. Oh yeah. If you do this, you're gonna get that. You know, you, you, you bring you bring this over here, you're gonna get one of these and one of those and one of these and one of I mean and, and that preaches well. I mean I've I've listened to it, it preaches well, y'all. Because it's to a bunch of people that would like to have more stuff, you telling me how to get more stuff for me? Oh man, I don't love nobody more than I love me. And so you telling me how to get some more stuff for me and God too? That's that's, that's kind of church. That's the kind of church I need. And it, it works really well. The problem with it is it's not biblical, and it diminishes Christ. Right? We come together. We really want to exalt the person of Jesus and what He's done. He's our prize. Uh, the greatest thing I've ever received, I received in Jesus. And I'll go to heaven broke, but rich. You know, Jesus, we read this when we were going through the grace of giving. Jesus is the guy, he who was rich became poor. You might become rich in him, not financially, but spiritually, right? There, there are riches, there are things that money can't buy, and those things God has made available. We could, we could diminish all the spiritual riches of Christ, encouraging people to buy cars that they can't afford and have homes, and, you know, you're the king's kid, and you ought to have this, not to have that. I don't know, you know, it, it, it preaches. It preaches well in our communities. Uh, it preaches well in countries and places where people don't have very much because they'd like to have some more stuff. And you got these American ministers, um, you know, for some, they look at it. They're looking at me. These guys got mansions. They got Bentleys. They got jets. It's, it's desirable. They live, they live like stars. And so, you know, people who love stuff, you know, we, we live in a very um, 
greedy, you know, materialistic culture. And then that just comes into the church through the word of faith doctrine. That one prevails. That's one of the ones that it seems like, you know, just it works. Now, I'm always amazed at the amount of people that go and stay. And I know people that have been in the word of faith doctrine for years. They, they still relatively broke, but they're still there. They're still there's still this hope back here that I keep doing it wrong. I've been sowing, but I guess I sold and I didn't believe enough. You know, I sold, I believe, but then I, oh, I didn't, you know, they, they, they always got some new trick, you know. If you watch the cycles, I watch the cycles of these guys' teachings. They'll do a whole teaching come New Year's. You got to give a whole lot. You know, you got to sow this kind of seed. It's a very specific seed. This amount of money. Wham, wham, wham. And, da, da, da. and then you got to have these things you can't afford. And then you know what they do later on? They'll do a series on debt release. Because they know they, they know they got a church full of people in debt trying to live that life without those resources. Now they'll teach you how to get out of debt. You guys know how you got into debt. I, I found these secrets here, right? I, I got this truth back here. I twisted it. You hear, hear me? Hear me. They, they go back and tell you something. And you're like, why you didn't tell me that in the last series that made me go in debt? You know, thanks a lot. And then they just keep you in this revolving circle while they, they making a killing off of you. And, and people sign up for it and go and they stand there. And, and all those things, Jesus is diminished. Jesus becomes an ends to a means of physical things. Jesus is an ends to a spiritual means. Jesus is how we get into relationship with God how we get born again, how we get our sins forgiven. Um, that's what Jesus is all about. Amen? Amen? And anybody bring them to you in a different way, you want to just reject it and kick it onto the curb. And so that one prevails. And then there are the, the, the they're the, just the cult teachings, you know, the Jehovah's Witness, the Mormon. Um, there are even some Christian cults, you know. So uh, I think the Apostolic Church is another gospel. Um, it's, I see that a lot in our community. I see um, the Church of Christ cult. Uh, they're they're very big on discipleship, uh, but their discipleship is it's a it's a cultish discipleship. Um, discipleship should mean that we disciple people here, and discipleship we may take you by the arm, walk with you closely, teach you how to walk with the Lord. But it only goes so long, and then it's like, go, you with Jesus now. We just we discipleship is the word disciple means a follower of Christ. Discipleship is teaching someone that just came to Christ or doesn't really know how how to follow Christ. So we teach you how to pray, how to get into the Word for yourself about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, about your function in the church. And after a point in time, we say, all right, now we've taught you these things. You got the verses. You got it all down. You got Jesus. Get to it. Now, you know, we don't need to meet every week. You know, we're not, you're not under, you didn't become a disciple of me. We're helping you become a disciple of Christ. So at a point, you can break away from me. You got Jesus. You don't need me. That's proper discipleship, you know. But if I got to continue to be in your life and tell you everything, I make every decision, I tell you who you can date, who you can't date, who you can marry, who you can't marry, how much you, they tell you how much to give, uh, what job you should and shouldn't take. It's, it's weird, cultish. But um, for some people, because they're, you know what, what they do very well is teach. And that becomes very, it's like, no, they're really teaching. And because so many of our churches don't teach, some people, the first time they ever get taught is from false teachers. And so it's compelling because they sat down, explained it. They went to the chapter and the verse and it made sense to me. I can get it. And again, people are victims of not knowing the word. And so people can't twist the word if you know the word. So here's here's the conclusion of all of this. And um, and from here, we'll we'll go into a, a time of communion. Uh, the last thing Paul says, you know, he says, man, that the, these Satan's transformed himself into an angel light. So it's no it's no surprise that his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Just as Satan is a deceiver and can masquerade himself as something that he's not, it's no, it's no big deal. It's no, it should be no surprise that Satan has ministers that transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, though they are not. 
We need to be able to discern the difference that, and it's here the goal, that our walk with the Lord would be right. Jesus died to save you. Satan wants, um, he wants to get us away from that message. That's his goal. And he'll use whatever means. Some people will fall into sin. Some people that are kind of beyond some of the sins in those traps will fall away into false teachings where um, some people work really hard in their false doctrine. You know, they, they, they have works and restrictions and they don't do this and they don't do that. And it feels really spiritual and good. And, but they, they don't realize at a point all that work that you're doing, um, it, it doesn't make you any better. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not more saved than Andre because I, I'm, if it's something I don't do that he does. If we both came to Jesus, um, can I be more saved than somebody else? No, we saved, we saved. Either saved or lost. Uh, I can't get more saved than somebody. I might walk closer to the Lord than someone. Someone may walk close, more closely, but I ain't more saved. When, when, the, when the Lord come back, saved people go and lost people don't. It's not like, well, you was kind of saved, you was a little saved. If you was a little more saved, I would have took you, but I'm leaving you because you was, not, you was like 20% less saved than I needed you to be. You can be glad about that, right? Saved or not. I'm in or I'm out. I'm in relationship with Jesus or I'm outside of relationship with the Lord. And, um, but that's, those are, those are Satan's tactics. Um, he uses ministers to mislead. Um, God uses ministers to lead us to him. Satan uses ministers to mislead us. And um, we need to be able to discern the difference between the two. And our best chance at being discerning is to develop our own relationship with the Lord. Um, yes, we want to find a solid church, teaches sound doctrine, but how can you really know? Um, I was in one church and reading on my own, praise God, somebody helped me develop that discipline. And it was as I was reading and as I was studying books in context, in totality, that I was sitting there like, this is not right what they're doing here. How do you know it's not right? Because I've read. That's not God's heart. And what he's saying is not, it's not the truth. And I wasn't there. I wasn't, it wasn't an arrogance. It was just saying like, I gotta, I want to be where the word is going for it. I'm going to find me somewhere where dude teaches the word. You know, I started to doubt. That's how I judge ministers. I will take a book or a section of scripture that I thoroughly studied. And I will listen to a minister on that section of scripture that I'm aware of. And I'll listen. I'll say, man, when I'm done listening, that, that, that was right on. How do you know? Because I studied it first. I read it first. I looked at it first. Now I listen to some guys and I hear it. And I'm like, Man, he, he said everything I knew, and he, he said a few different things. I'm going to go check those things out now. That's somebody I look up to. I, I'm benefiting. I'm learning from him. He went, he went further than I was able to go. But I will listen to some guys in the section of Scripture I'm well familiar with, and I'm like, you lying on God, bro. That's not, that don't mean nothing like that. That's, and that person is not off my list. You're not somebody I'm going to be listening to for spiritual enrichment. And if I hear you, I'm going to hear you with my antennas up uh, because I realize that either you're unfaithful in study or you know better and you're lying on God. In either case, you're dangerous. Uh, people could be misled by you. And so my encouragement to us, because God died to have us in intimate relationship. You're betrothed like a wife to the Lord. Even men don't be bothered by that. I, you know, it's, it's the one time I'm going to be, I'm, I ain't that manly. You know, I'm, I will be Christ's bride. I ain't, I, the alternative is not good, you know, so I'm good with that, you know. Um, but in the same way, I have a wife. I want my wife to me. That's my wife. I ain't sharing Knock you out, son. You know, like that's, that's my wife. You know, it's our relationship. God says, you're mine. I love you. I want to keep you close. And one way we stay close to the Lord is we study and we read and he reveals himself through his word. And and um, that's what he wants it, us to be close to him. Uh, how disappointing would it be for my wife to believe things about me that weren't true? I'd be disappointed. What if I believe things about her that weren't true? That um, I thought I was doing what she wanted. And she's like, no, I never said I wanted that. And I'm just it's messing up our relationship. 
and I got bad information. You know, that's what some people's spiritual life look like. They got bad information, even though they're trying to do a lot of stuff. It's a lazy believer that just receives and listens. And that's how they study. You got to crack the book for yourself. Second Corinthians is a book that circles back to some things that were hit on in First Corinthians. There had been some sin within the church in between the first letter and this letter. The Corinthians had dealt with the sin and were moving past that, working toward unity and forgiveness. This is something that's easier said than done. The hard work is addressing sin, but sometimes the hard work that's required after that is choosing to forgive once the sin issue has been resolved. This is the best way for relationships to move forward after having a rift. Are any of these topics something that you can relate to in your life? Pointing out areas of sin, working at forgiving, and striving for unity? Of course they are. You're human. We like to come alongside you and be a support in these areas that you might be currently addressing. Would you text or call us and share where you are in the process? Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd be happy to listen and pray with you through these things. If you're in the area, it would be so great to meet you in person. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you'd like more info, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org for our location and directions. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you in the days that we're living in. Join us again on A Transforming Word.